a lesson appointed for this commemoration of the Reformation from Daniel chapter 6. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near to the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. This is the word of our Lord. <clears throat> the one they called ghost, and the other, darkness. It was 1898, and the British were in Kenya building a bridge over the Savo River, when in the night, men started to disappear. And it took a while, but finally someone saw them. Two male lions coming into the camp and taking off people and devouring them. They named them the ghost in the darkness. They tried to keep these lions away with building fires and, and walls of thorns, but nothing could keep them out. And it, they had taken dozens of workers. And you can guess what a number of the other workers who were still living did. Hundreds fled for their lives. A little further back, there was a man facing a lion of sorts. His name was Martin Luther. And he was standing in front of a council called the Diet of Worms that had been called by Pope Leo X. And Leo in Latin means lion. Here he is standing before this council and told that he needs to recant everything he had written against the church. All of those supposed errors that he had found, he needed to denounce them or face death. And so what would Luther do? 
recant and save his life or stand firm and potentially die. A little before that, the Apostle Paul wrote to his friend and fellow pastor Timothy that he had been saved from the lion's mouth. And that was probably literally the case. Because, as you may know, in the time of the Romans, in the first century, they loved to feed the Christians to lions. But God had saved him from that time. But Paul had become captive to Christ, and he couldn't stop preaching the gospel. And so when he writes to Timothy here, he's in prison again. His friends had betrayed him. They'd all left him. And he doesn't know what his future includes. And so Paul is faced with that decision. Do I remain captive to Christ and so captive to the Romans and probably lose my life or denounce what I've been preaching and stop talking about Jesus? Before that, another man faced a den of lions. Daniel. A God-fearing man, a man who had been exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon, a very important man, the right-hand man of the king in Babylon. But that king had been duped by some of his other advisors who were jealous of Daniel and his position. And they convinced him to make this law that everyone should worship you, king, and not any other god for 30 days. And if they do, they should get thrown into a lion's den, and the king went along with it. And so Daniel had a decision to make. Do I keep on praying to my god and face faced nearly certain death being thrown into a den of lions? Or... Or I could just not worship my God. Just for 30 days. I just got to stop for 30 days. That's as long as the decree was and save my life. What would you do? You remember that show? It was on ABC on Friday nights a while back. It hasn't been on for a few years. What would you do? They set up these situations with hidden cameras and, and, and see what these innocent passers-by will do. Right, they'll have some, some teenagers harassing a homeless man or, or uh, vandalizing a car or some parents berating and insulting their, their, their kid in a store. And they see what the reactions of people walking by are. To step in and do something or say something or just walk by. Now, when you're sitting on your couch on a Friday evening... It's real easy to say, oh, I would jump in there and do that. I would say something, but would you when you're put in that situation? But how about something much more important and much more dangerous? What would you do if you were in Luther's place or Paul's or Daniel's? What would you do? Well, you know what Luther did, don't you? He stood before the Holy Roman Emperor, the emperor of the entire Roman world. And he said, 
Unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of the popes and councils, for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. God help me. Amen. And the result of his stance? It was open season on Luther. Anyone could take his life without any fear of punishment. Paul? What did he do? Well, look, we know he did not recant as he faced the Roman Empire of his day. But he faced a martyr's death for proclaiming Jesus Christ as Savior, Lord, and God. And Daniel? When he heard about the decree that he could not pray to his God for 30 days, what did he do? When he had learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. What would you do? if you were in the place of any of these men. I know what you would want to do. You would want to say that, yes, I would be faithful to God, even in the face of punishment or persecution, or even I'd, I'd die rather than to fall away from the word of God. And you know that if You've been confirmed as a Lutheran here at this altar or another. That's what you promised to do. That with the help of God, you would be faithful to death rather than fall away and denounce the word of God. That's real easy to say when you're standing among friends and fellow believers, isn't it? But what about out there? In the face of lions, in the face of persecution, in the face of suffering, in the face of maybe even death, what would you do? Now you could say, well, pastor, I don't have to worry about those things. Those things aren't happening here in our country. But they have happened. We've got three examples before us today we've been talking about. They are happening, you know, right now today. Places in our world in 2023, there are Christians who are suffering and being persecuted and being punished and even being put to death for their faith in Christ Jesus. It's a real thing. But you can come back and say, well, pastor, that's not here. And there's a chance that that might not even happen in my lifetime here in the United States. Okay. I'll give you that for right now. But let's consider the things that you do face every day here. And see how you do at those. Because if you don't do so well at those, I don't know how well you do as you face an emperor or the mouths of lions. The things that we need to face as Christians who proclaim and profess boldly the word of God. Because the fact is, Dear Christian, if you go out into this world and you live your faith 
and you boldly proclaim your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, there is going to be some pushback. There will be some struggle. You know, maybe, maybe it's uh, for you when you're at work and that religious topic comes up and you try to go like this, oh boy. Eh? And they turn to you and say, hey, what do you think about this? Or, do your coworkers even know you attend church? Or that you belong to a church? Do they even know you're a Christian? Uh, maybe your situation is you're finding it hard to find friends. And, and friendships are hard to maintain because so many of the people that you come across and you might have some shared interests with, their morals and their values are so different than yours. The movies they want to watch, the music they listen to, the places that they want to go on the weekends. And you're faced with that decision. Do I compromise my faith? Or do I stand up for what I believe in and maybe lose a friend? Maybe you keep your mouth shut with that friend or family member who's been living opposed to what God's word says. And you've just convinced yourself that, you know what, I just got to keep the peace. You know, the holidays are coming. You know, we, we got to be getting along when the holidays come, right? Or, or you've told yourself that, what good is it? Just shrug your shoulders and say, what can I do? Instead of maybe having a hard conversation, a loving conversation, as you hold firmly to the word of God and want them to as well. Maybe, maybe it's someone you hope to marry that you deeply love. But you've got a decision to make because they don't care about God's gift of sex and, and, and keeping it pure until marriage. Which do you choose? Your love for this person or your love for God? Uh, maybe you have an opportunity for a promotion, a better job. A and it's better money. And it puts you in a much better position, but, but it means you're going to have to work weekends. You're going to have to go work out on Sundays. And, and so you're stuck there. What do I do? I, I, that time in church with my church family and being in the Word and receiving the sacrament is so important and valuable to me, but yet, but oh, the money I could have and that job that could go to somebody else. Dear Christian, you might not be facing death for your faith. But you certainly are faced with opposition and have to endure struggle and some, at least some internal suffering for what we, you hold to and, and believe. Yeah, it, we're not facing all-out persecution here in our world today, but certainly the values, our Christian values and morals are not mainstream anymore, are they? I mean, what the world, our society, our nation as a whole, are just beginning to accept about life, God's gift of life, and marriage, and sexuality, gender, all of these things. You know what you are? You're, you're closed-minded. You're bigoted. You're misogynistic. You're small-minded. No, you're not. But that's what they're going to say to you, aren't they? Right? 
when you proclaim Jesus as the only way, when you proclaim him as the only way to heaven, that he's not just one path to God of many, you're going to face opposition for that, aren't you? When you hold firmly to those truths and proclaim those truths. Jesus warns us about that. We heard it in our gospel lesson. And he doesn't talk about lions, he talks about wolves. And you are like a tasty sheep. Those wolves are looking to devour you. Jesus warns that if you are my disciple, when you live as my disciple, when you go and live your faith in this world, and you proclaim your faith in this world, expect persecution, accept, accept, expect suffering, expect trouble to come your way. So what are you going to do when that happens? This shouldn't surprise us at all. Because we know that that roaring lion is prowling around looking for someone to devour. And dear Christian, that, that's you. He wants to devour you. He wants you to just, just compromise just a little bit on that word of God. He, he just wants you to just a little bit say it's not a big deal. He, he wants you to just shrug your shoulders and say, what can I do? He wants you to do anything but to proclaim your faith and live your faith. He wants to devour you. He wants nothing more for you to give up and give in. And how do you do on all of this? I know, like me, you fail miserably. And when you think about situations like Luther and Paul and, and Daniel, you think, oh, I can't even handle these little things that I have to face today. How would I ever be able to stand up in front of emperors and popes and councils and face lions? You know, it's not that men like Luther and Paul and Daniel were superhuman in any way. It's not that they had some sort of power that you don't have access to. It's not that they weren't afraid. As they face these situations, we can most certainly be assured that they were afraid. These are sinful human people, just like you and me. What does it say about Daniel? It says that these men, that group of men who was trying to trick, trap him in, in praying to his God, they went and found Daniel praying. And what was he doing? He was asking God for help. Was Daniel afraid? I'm sure he was. But did Daniel know where to look when he was afraid? He most certainly did. He looked to his God for help. He knew where to turn when he was faced with those lions. And that temptation to give up on his faith and denounce what he believed. The Apostle Paul, in that same letter to Timothy where he writes about being saved from the lion's mouth and being in prison again, he wrote this, that the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Paul does say, God might. Perhaps God will save me and rescue me and bring me to heaven. He says he will. Paul had full 
confidence that God would save him from every evil attack. If you're Christian, do you believe that your God will rescue you? Do you believe that when you are faced with those situations, God will rescue you and help you? Do you know where the ghosts in the darkness are today? Obviously, they're not living anymore. That's you know, 125 years ago. But they were killed by Lieutenant Colonel William Patterson, one of the men who was overseeing that bridge-building project. And you can see them today. They're in the Field Museum in Chicago, stuffed behind glass in a display. They can't harm anyone anymore. And you know that even more dangerous roaring lion who seeks to devour? He can't harm you anymore either. Because he's been defeated. Jesus has taken away his teeth. He can roar and he can prowl all he wants, but he cannot harm you. We sang about it in our opening hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. We sang there that he's judged Satan, the deed is done, one little word can fell him. And what's the one little word that can fell the Satan, that roaring lion? Nowhere in, in Luther's writings does he ever talk about that, what he meant by one, that one little word in that hymn. So there's some good guesses. Is it, is it the word that Jesus cried out on the cross? As he was dying for our sins, that one word, tetelestai, which means it is finished, the head of that serpent crushed, that lion defeated, maybe. Maybe the one little word is Jesus, Savior, the one who came to do away with his evil work, to defeat every temptation of him perfectly, the one who died for our sins, for all the times that we have denounced our faith, when we have not lived our faith and spoken boldly our faith. For that one Jesus, who like Daniel, wasn't put alive into a hole in the ground, but, but dead. And a stone rolled over. But then only to break forth triumphantly to show that he really has been defeated. That Satan no longer has any power over you. Maybe it's the word Jesus that Luther was talking about. But the truth is every word of God fells Satan. He must scatter. He must flee at every word of God because he has been defeated. One little word from God's word can fell him. Now, this is not a promise that you will be saved from all physical harm like Daniel was. That was a miracle for, for Daniel to continue to live in this heathen nation and continue to live his faith and share his faith. That's not promised to you that saving from physical harm. Paul, 
Paul who wrote those very words to, to Timothy that God will rescue me from every evil attack. He was martyred for his faith. He died for his faith in Jesus Christ. But God will rescue you because he already has rescued you. He's rescued you from your punishment of sin. He's rescued you from your prison cell of hell. He's rescued you from the jaws of that roaring lion, Satan. He's rescued you from fear and guilt and shame and regret. He's rescued you from the fear of death itself. God has already rescued you. And he will bring you safely into his heavenly kingdom. Do you believe that your God will rescue you? You know, Jesus' words in our gospel lesson had some sobering words as we live our faith and share our faith in this world of what we should expect. But there's also some wonderful words of promise in there too. Comforting promise. That when we're in those situations, we're not alone. When we have the opportunity to live our faith and share our faith, the Holy Spirit is there to give us the words to say. And Jesus promised that he who stands firm to the end will be saved. So no matter what kind of den of lions you're facing, no matter what it is in your life that you might be thrown into, your God will save you. Your God will rescue you. And his promises don't rely on you. They don't rely on your faith. They don't rely on your faithfulness to him. They all rely on the work of Christ alone. That's already completed. That you stand in that forgiveness and that peace and that righteousness of Christ right now. You are God's own. That is a promise to you. And so nothing can harm you. Take what they will. Goods, fame, child, and wife, though all may be gone, the victory is won. The field is ours forever. That's a promise. Believe it. Live it. Amen. Now may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole